Hi, everyone. Welcome to the June and Joe show. Good morning. It's great to see you, June. Yes. Good to see you, Joe. And um, we are going to talk today about um, the recall. It's on everyone's minds here in California. And um, how are you feeling about it? Well, before we get into that, if, if you're listening to this on our podcast, good for me. That means I have finally managed to figure out through Apple to get our account set up. Uh, but for those of you that aren't watching it yet or looking for it uh, on a podcast, uh, that hopefully will be coming soon, as soon as Apple sets up our account. Uh, but we're looking forward to that. Yeah, the recall has turned into as close to a literal circus as possible with John Cox's bear. <laughs> don't know, John Cox felt like he was left out of the limelight in the recall election and decided to sort of do a reboot with a live thousand pound bear that I thought was a one day stunt. But apparently now he's bringing it along to other campaign events. I guess he was in San Diego this week with the bear again. Um, I don't know. To me, it it smacks a little bit of uh, I don't have enough drawing attention to myself without a wild animal. I don't know. What do you think? Well, then I think um, on Twitter, it was noted that John Cox is actually upset that the bear is getting more attention than he is. I'm not really sure quite what he expected when he brought a giant bear, who is a professional actor, by the way. I think he has his own SAG card. Um, What did you think was going to happen when you brought a bear um, and started calling yourself the beast? Yeah, it's weird. And then I started thinking, well, how does he get this bear from one event to the other? Do they share the same campaign bus? Is there vehicle <laughs> where the bear uh, travels separately? Does the bear have a rider and require you know a certain type of honey in its trailer? Um, it's really kind of bizarre. But you know, what's interesting is you've got somebody, and he's not the only one. We'll talk about another candidate. But he, you've got somebody who has a lot of money on their own that can put into a race. He has put a lot of his own money into this race, multiple millions of dollars. And I guess when you're putting your own money in and you're not gaining traction, you can spend that money on crazy ideas and see where they go. Um, You know, obviously June, you you and I are both former candidates and I really believe a, a big part of being a successful candidate and showing you can be a successful elected official is the process of campaigning and it is the process of raising money from others. It's a litmus test to show that people really support you. And we both did really well in fundraising for our races. And, uh, you know, John Cox, like I said, is just putting his own money in and paying for bears, which I think says a lot. I think it also says a lot, not only the number of donors you have and the amount of money you're able to raise, but how you spend your money. And I know that there was a lot of talk about Major Williams, another gubernatorial candidate recently, um, and how he spends all of his campaign money on fancy hotels and luxury car rentals. Um, Is that the guy you want running our economy here in California? Also, same logic applies to the bear. Is that a good, wise use? Is that a fiscally responsible decision? And... How will the voters perceive your ability to lead the world's fifth largest economy? Right. Well, and you obviously have a lot of people that are left-leaning who are upset that uh, a wild animal is being used as a prop. Same same folks that shut down our uh, circus and things like that in, in this country. 
so you're not necessarily winning hearts and minds on that side of the aisle with with the stunt either. Um, and you mentioned you mentioned Major. Is he still running? I, I know there's a lot of controversy around him. A lot of people were were excited about him, but then uh, folks on the right actually uncovered what you mentioned, sort of the spending habits of the campaign, uh, also some allegations of uh, infidelity and things like that. So uh, is he still in? Um, I think he's still in. His whole campaign team has quit and they keep issuing statements um, from the former team members saying um, how and why they don't support Major anymore. But he's still going as far as I know. Um, I'm sure... We'll hear when he throws in the towel um, if he decides to do so. But like in 2003, there were 150 people on the recall ballot. So maybe he'll just keep putting his name in there. There are concerning allegations, um, but the finance, the campaign finance reports are not allegations. They're black and white paper filings with the secretary of state. So that is something that he can't deny where he's spending his money. Yeah. And it's too bad. I mean, I, I was never a uh, supporter of his for governor, but I thought he was somebody who, who had a lot of great ideas, represented a different party, and frankly thought, you know, he would have been a great candidate in maybe some other race, uh, down ballot race. Uh, but of course, that's before all the allegations came out and all the campaign finance reports came out. So uh, maybe that'll be another, another day or a reincarnation uh, of major. <laughs> well, um, he did try his hand at a down ballot race. He ran for mayor of Pasadena and didn't make it past the primary. He got like 8% of the vote or 3000 votes or something like that. I don't remember the exact number, but um, me too. When I first met him, I thought he was a charismatic young guy with a lot of hope, but now all of this has kind of come out in the open and really, um, the, like you said, the recall is turning into a literal circus with the bear, and we'll see who the cast of characters end up being. Um, we have to talk about Caitlyn Jenner. We do. <laughs> so we could. You know, I know we've got a couple other topics to discuss in this first part of our episode, um, but you know, political Politico came out with a survey, and there's others that that support this about how low. Uh, Caitlin supported is 6%, I think was the number. Uh, she just did an interview with CNN. Uh, Dana Bash previously did one with Hannity on Fox. And I guess on, on Fox, uh, she said to, to Hannity that she's a big Trump supporter. Dana Bash, she said she wasn't a Trump supporter. She also said she never voted in the last election because she, nothing interested her on the ballot. In California, which is hard to believe with as many propositions, you had affirmative action, you had taxes, you had all kinds of things on the ballot. And she decided to golf instead, which was interesting because they've found your voting record is is available. Uh, when I was a candidate, they pulled my voting record going back 20 years to see which races I voted in, which I did, which ones I didn't, which was almost none that I didn't. Um, and it turned out that, in fact, Caitlyn Jenner did vote in the general election in November 2020. So why she's telling CNN she didn't vote is, uh, is, is mind boggling. I, I think Caitlin's campaign is another one that's going to fizzle out, uh, maybe, you know, certainly stay on the ballot, but we're not going to see much by you know November when we're actually voting. I think. The interesting thing about the Jenner campaign, I think is that 
she's running it kind of like a presidential campaign or a national campaign. She's not running it like she's focused on the actual state of California. So I know that there's a lot of excitement from people who also supported President Trump. Um, They're really excited to get one of their own um, on the ballot. I don't think that right now they feel like they have a true Trump candidate on the recall ballot. So I think that's what generates so much excitement for Caitlyn Jenner is that those Trump supporters now feel like they have a person that they can get behind. Um, But I think it's highly problematic that you're running in California, not really talking about California issues, pulling your support from out of state Trump supporters. And um, I think on one of those Fox News shows, she said, build the wall. Are you really running in California by making statements like that on national television? I just don't think she's playing it very smart. And um, I think that there's no way she's going to pull a Democrat vote in either because all of the left has pretty much said, um, thanks, but no thanks. We would love to see a transgender candidate on the ballot, but not you. Right. No, it's interesting. And and to me, the only thing that makes her a Trump Republican is her campaign team. I'm not really sure why uh, Trump Republicans or Trump supporters view her as the Trump candidate, uh, and particularly now. I mean, she's clearly trying to distance herself from President Trump. So like I said, I, it seems like every step she's making is one that pushes any segment of her possible support away. So, you know, we'll see how long that lasts. Talking about Hollywood, have you been paying attention to Hollywood canceling itself with the Golden (laughs) You know, it was only a matter of time before they ate their own, right? Yeah, it's crazy. For those that haven't heard, the uh, uh, Hollywood Foreign Press Association puts on the Golden Globes. And I guess NBC said that they're not going to air the Golden Globes uh, this coming cycle, I guess in 21. Not sure what time of the year those typically air, uh, but... It's interesting. There's there's really two reasons, I guess. But uh, one is fraud in the organization, the, the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, things like uh, basically bribing people for for their votes for their movies, um, and the second one is a lack of diversity and inclusion. But it really seems like the you know NBC and Hollywood, uh, you know, doesn't care as much about the fraud, but cares about uh, perceived slights with a lack of diversity and inclusion. So, you know, you've got Tom Cruise mailing back his Golden Globes and things like that uh, in, in protest. Um, it's like you said, it's it's Hollywood, you know, the left eating their own. It's Hollywood going over the edge. I mean, there has been talk about the lack of diversity in Hollywood for many years now. And I know the Academy, um, the Academy Awards, the Oscars have had that pushback before, too. Um, So this is just the latest in kind of that um, manufactured argument of equity and inclusion, which um, impacts so many other facets of our society. But now it's coming for Hollywood and it would be surprising if it didn't. Right. I mean, it it ultimately had to come down to um, them eating their own, like I said, left pushing further and further left. Right. And, and, and my you know, overall observation of this is they should be more outraged and concerned about equitable, the equitable process. You know, again, I think it's 
calls into question the, the validity of an award show if, if the people voting are, you know, essentially getting bribed with trips and other things to support particular uh, performances. You know, once there's that equitable process, hopefully you would see more diversity in, in the award winners. Um, but of course, you know, Hollywood's not alone in, in needing to improve on its diversity and inclusion, but it's interesting how far, how far they're going with it. In our last to want to talk about, I don't know if you saw the increase in homicide rate in San Diego County. Yes. Well, it's concerning because violent crime across the board is on the rise throughout the country. Um, but I don't know if I find it all that surprising because I truly believe that the COVID lockdown has severely impacted um, our nation's mental health and well-being. But also in California, um, the recent article that came out in the Union Tribune about the homicide rate going up says the cause is unknown. Well, I would speculate that one of the factors that contributes to this is the fact that we have more criminals released from jail in California than ever before. And uh, so what are your thoughts? Well, that's just too logical of an answer, June. <laughs> I think you're right. You know, you release more criminals uh, and they're going to commit more crimes if they're predisposed or they don't feel like they had an adequate or sufficient consequence to their last crime. Uh, I also think there's a problem with uh, treating our law enforcement, our police officers, as the bad guys all the time. And it's it's changing the culture on the streets, I think. Um, again, we've got to distinguish people in, in positions of, of authority need to distinguish between bad cops and the vast majority, the significant vast majority, almost 100%, but not 100%, obviously, that go into policing for the right reasons and um, and want to help their community. And I think that mentality over the last year has also resulted in a nationwide increase in, in violent crime. So it, it's something we, we need to keep our eye on. And unfortunately, I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. Right. And we're running out of time for this episode, but on another day, we'll have to talk about the um, issue of guns, gun control, and whether or not that's really the solution, which um, I don't necessarily think it is. But that's for another day. And we will see you on our next episode. Thank you, everyone. Take care.